Thank you for joining the Element Church Podcast, where we exist to guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships, and make a lasting impact. Wherever you're listening from today, we hope this message inspires and strengthens your faith. Well, have you ever known something was coming, but you didn't know how to respond? Uh, Like maybe you found out about a surprise party your friends or family was throwing for you, or or maybe a gift someone was getting you. You didn't want to disappoint them, so you had to respond or act as if you were surprised. That's, That's hard to do. Or maybe you had a falling out with someone. Someone mistreated you. Again, a family member, a friend, a coworker, whatever it was, but now you're going to an event where you know you have to see them, you have to interact with them, you don't know how to respond. Do you just ignore them? Do you act like nothing happened? Everything's good? Do you throat punch them and pay them back? I'm the only one. You're going to leave me hanging. I'm the only one that would think to do that. Um, or, or this one I, I really resonate with because it happened a lot as I was uh, raising, as my wife and I were raising our kids. There would be times where my wife would, would text me about five minutes or so before she knew I was heading home from work and she would say this, just so you know, which means nothing bad, nothing good's following that statement. Just so you know, the kids have destroyed the house and are refusing to help clean it up, just so you know. Or the principal called about one of the kids, or someone broke something, or stained something, or whatever bad thing it was following that statement, just so you know. So now I know what's coming when I get home, but I don't know how to respond. I mean, I know how to respond as a good, loving, kind, caring father. I just don't know if I want to respond that way, if you know what I mean. Like there's been many moments in my parenting where I fully understood why some species eat their young. Can I get a good amen from somebody today? Like we, we've, all, we've all experienced that moment. Probably not, maybe not with kids, but, but with something that we knew was coming, but we didn't know how to respond or didn't know if we could respond the right way or even if we wanted to. And friends, there is something coming for all of us. Uh, There there is something coming for for all of us that will make it feel like God has disappeared. And when it comes, we have to know how to respond. We may not want to respond the way we should. We may not think we can respond that way. But when suffering comes upon us, and it will, when suffering comes, We all have a choice in how we will respond. In fact, that's our big idea for today. That we can't stop suffering from coming, but we can choose how we will respond. We we can't stop suffering from coming. As much as we would like to stop it, if there was any way for us to, we would, but suffering either has already, it is now, or it will in the future come upon all of us. It's just part of the human experience, right? But we do have a choice in how we will respond to suffering, which could make all the difference in the world for us and for those who are around us. And that's what I want to talk about today. As we're continuing the sermon series we're in on Job uh, from the Bible called When God Disappears. 
If you don't know, uh, my name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor here. And whether you're new with us or call Element Church home, whether you're here in person or joining us on video somewhere, thank you so much uh, for choosing to give some of your very valuable time to us and to the Lord today. If you missed last week's message, I would highly encourage you to watch or listen to that. Go back and do that. We, we started our walk last week through the life, the story, and the book of Job in the Bible by by answering the question, what should we remember in our suffering? And from those unchanging truths that we need to remember, and specifically today from the life of Job, I think we're now going to see how we should respond to suffering. So here's the big question. It's simply that. It's on the screens there. How should we respond to suffering? How should we respond to suffering? I would add here, by the way, that I'm speaking to Christians with that question. Um, How should Christians respond to suffering really should be um, uh, the way that we word that because I don't expect people who don't believe in God to do some of the things that we're talking about today. And I know that not everyone here would call themselves a Christian. You don't believe in God for whatever reason. And the truth is, only you can decide to put your faith in God through Jesus. God will never make you do that. None of us can, uh, can, can force you to do that. It's a decision that you alone can, can make in your life. And whether you ever make that decision, we love you. We're honored that you are, are with us. And I hope that, that in this message, you'll see a response to suffering that's filled with life and filled with hope for those who believe. Main scripture is Job chapter one, verse 20. We're gonna read through chapter two, verse 10. So there's a few verses at the end of uh, chapter one and then through verse 10 of chapter two. As I told you last week, Job is the oldest book we believe written in the scriptures. And in this very first book written, we see a depth of human suffering that's hard for, uh, for us to even imagine happening. Uh, again, we can't go back and go through everything, but Job basically loses all of his possessions, and he was the wealthiest man in the entire region, and all 10 of his children died. All of it happened in one moment, in one day, and we're going to see how Job responds to that. So we looked at what to remember Today, we're going to look at how we should respond. If you don't own a Bible, by the way, uh, we don't want you to leave without one. So no matter where you're at, here in person or online, you can download a Bible called YouVersion. Or if you're here in person, ask for a hard copy of a Bible out there at guest services, and we'll get you one free of charge. Uh, For now, all the scriptures, all the verses and quotes, everything will be on the screens. Before we dive into God's word today, uh, why don't we pause and and pray. And pray for my voice too. It's been hurting recently. My voice feels tired. So just pray for my voice today. Father in heaven, um, thank you for your word. Lord, that you don't hide the difficult parts of life. And Lord, suffering is not a subject any of us want to talk about. It's not one that we want to face. But the reality is we're going to. We're going to face it. And so Lord, I pray that as we read through the story of Job today and look at his response, that you would encourage us, challenge us, 
comfort us where we need it. And uh, Lord, I do pray for strength for my voice today. Um, I know that, that you could move even without my voice, but for some reason you've chosen to use this mode of communication for your church. And so, Lord, would you give strength to my voice and may your power, may your anointing, and may your authority be upon myself and upon this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Job 1, starting in verse 20, says this. So Job lost everything, lost his children, and this is his response. Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to what? To worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Wow. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. We can't stop suffering from coming. Job is, is proof number one of that. But we can choose how we will respond. So how should we respond to suffering? I think Job models it beautifully for us in this passage that even in his grief he worshiped and even in his pain he praised. So the first way we should respond, I believe, in our suffering is probably the most difficult for one for us to do. And it's this. Number one is this. We should choose to praise God. We should choose to praise God. And no one's excited about that in their suffering. It's not praising God for our problems. That's, that's sadistic, by the way. God would never ask us to do that, but it's praising him in our problems. Job chose to praise the Lord even in the midst of his suffering and his grief. And why would he do that? Why would Job praise the Lord? Because I think Job understood something that we need to understand, that it's our praise in the midst of our problems that gets our hearts anchored to the heart of God. And when our heart is anchored to the heart of God, that's the place we find the most healing, the most help, and the most hope. Now Job still had questions. He asked them all through the book. He still had doubts. He expressed them again and again and again. But even though Job had his questions and his doubts, even though Job was desperate and grieving and hurting and in pain, he still chose to praise God. He still chose to put his hope in God. You see, praise is not a way for us to ignore our pain and problems. Praise is just our way of making sure we don't ignore God in the midst of it. It keeps us connected to God. And praise is not a way to take away our hurt. Praise is just our way to focus on where we find hope in the midst of it, which is the Lord. As all this was happening in Job's life, look what he says in Job 13, verse 15. God might kill me, but I have no other hope. Wow. Wow. God might kill me, 
but I have no other place to hope but in him. I will still choose to praise him is what he's saying. We see this in other places in scripture uh, as well. In Lamentations chapter 3, Jeremiah the the prophet um, is talking about his suffering. And and he walks through uh, words like anguish, distress, heavy chains, and darkness. He, He said, my prayers feel like they are walled in. I'm helpless, devastated, filled with bitterness, drinking from a cup of suffering. My peace is stripped away, and everything I hoped for is lost, is what Jeremiah said. You really could sum up the first part of Lamentations 3 with the phrase, it feels like God has disappeared. And look how Jeremiah responds in the midst of all of this. Lamentations 3, 20 through 24. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Friends, it's okay to grieve. We should grieve. Grieve is a, grieving is a healthy process that God has given us. And he says, I'll never forget this as I grieve over my loss. Then he says this, yet, even in my grieving, I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. That my hope is not in what happens to me or what God gives me. My hope is in the Lord. You don't have to ignore your pain in order to praise. You can acknowledge your pain. You can ask God to take it away. You can even ask him why. Express your anger. Express your frustrations. Express your doubts and fears. But don't let your pain and suffering keep you away from your praise. Don't let your hurt keep you from turning to the only place you'll find hope which is in Jesus. Therefore, I hope in him. My hope is in the Lord. In fact, it's often in our places of hurting that our hope is driven deeper into Jesus than we could have ever imagined. That that without the hurting, our hope would not have been driven as deep into Jesus. Timothy Keller in his book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering, which is one of two books I'm recommending uh, that I read before the series, and I think they're excellent. There's two books out in the uh, Element store uh, that you can uh, purchase for your own help. He said this, a Christian man who develops lymphoma, cancer, input any suffering you want, should not think he is being punished for a sin Though he must not, on the other hand, miss this opportunity to put his roots down into God and discover a dimension of spiritual growth and wisdom he would never otherwise have had access to. That sometimes it's actually our hurting that unveils a layer of the Lord and his relationship with us that we would never have access to were it not for that difficult thing that we go through. We can't stop suffering from coming. 
but we can choose how we'll respond. So how should we respond to suffering? We should choose to praise. God might kill me. That verse blows me away. God might kill me, but I have no other hope. There's no other place to put my hope but in him. So I praise him. The second way we should respond is this. We should chase the right pursuits. Choose to praise and chase the right pursuits. Now in Job chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, we're reading another, a second cosmic conversation, if you will, between God and Satan. This already happened once in the first chapter. God gave permission for, for Job to attack his possessions and his family. Now we're in the second chapter. Second conversation says this. One day, The members of the heavenly court came again to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser, Satan, came with them. Where have you come from, the Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I've been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, I love this, have you noticed my servant Job? He's the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. And he has maintained his integrity, even though you urge me to harm him without cause. Remember, Satan said to the Lord, well, sure, sure, Job loves you. Sure, he trusts you because all you do is bless him, but take your blessings and protection away and he will surely curse you to your face. But then the Lord says, no, Job maintained his integrity. And that was no small feat, considering everything he went through. Like, how how did he do that? How, How did Job not give up hope? How did he maintain his integrity? I believe one of the reasons Job kept his integrity, one of the reasons he kept his hope was because he was chasing the right pursuits. He had the right pursuits in life. That he wasn't living his life for this life on the earth. He was living his life for the next one, the one to come. We see this later on in Job chapter 19. It's some of my favorite verses in the entire book of Job. After, again, after all that Job went through, after everything he lost, after all that pain and suffering, Job 19, 25 through 27 says this, but as for me, you do what you want, but as for me, I know my Redeemer lives and he will stand upon the earth at last. And after my body has decayed, yet in my body, I will see God. I will be resurrected one day by my faith. I will see him for myself. Yes, I will see him with my own eyes. I'm overwhelmed at the thought. Woo. I'm going to see God one day, Job said. And I'm overwhelmed by that reality. Job was saying, I'm I'm able to praise God in my pain and I can endure this suffering because I know one day I will see my God face to face. I don't see it now, but I know it's coming and I'm overwhelmed at the thought. And it's true. By faith, one day we will see our God face to face and he will wipe every tear 
from our eyes. And think about this. This is amazing to me. That long before Jesus ever walked the earth, long before there was any teaching written down about a resurrection for those who believe, long before there was any understanding of a new and perfected heaven on earth where there's no more sorrow, no more tears, no more suffering, no more pain. Long before anyone knew about how God would one day restore all things and make all things right again, long before any of that, Job believed it. It's amazing to me. He was praising God for it, and he was pursuing it in his life. We see this also in the New Testament, by the way, from the Apostle Paul. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18, Paul said this, So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. There's lots of troubles But we don't look at the things we see. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. They're temporary. But the things we cannot see will last forever. You see, Job knew that every possession he had and lost, including the lives of his own children, all of it, paled in comparison to seeing his God face to face. All of it paled in comparison to the Lord. He wouldn't, he couldn't see it, but he believed it was coming and he was pursuing it. Would Job have chosen to go through what he did? Of course not. Job didn't want to lose his children He didn't want every possession to be taken away in one day, but he wanted God more than anything this life could provide. He was not pursuing possessions or protection. He wasn't pursuing his kids. He was pursuing the face of God. And not so he would get answers either. There wasn't a caveat to his pursuit. Like, I'll pursue you if you tell me why. He, he wanted answers, yes. At times in the book of Job, he didn't just ask for answers. He demanded answers from God, which I don't recommend, and we'll see why at the end of the series. But he wasn't pursuing Jesus so that he would get the answers. He was pursuing Jesus because Jesus is the answer. So he was pursuing the Lord in the midst of his suffering. Rick Warren, founder and senior pastor of Saddleback Church in in California, one of the most influential churches on the planet. You might know him as the author of The Purpose Driven Life, I believe second only in sales to the Bible itself, which is unbelievable. He's one of Time Magazine's top 100 most influential people on the planet. After uh, him and his wife, after their son died by suicide a few years ago, ending a long and painful battle with extreme mental health struggles, Rick Warren said this recently in an interview talking about that time. He said this, I'd rather not have the answers and walk with God than have all the answers and not walk with God. I'd rather have God than answers. 
So Job praises God in his suffering. He's pursuing God, understanding that having God is better than having answers, even better than having his children. Hello. And in all of that, God said he didn't sin. He did not lose his integrity. He maintained his hope. So once again, God's bragging on Job, which is mind-blowing to me. And what did Satan say in response? Verse 4. Satan replied to the Lord, skin for skin. A man will, will give up everything he has to save his life, but reach out and take away his health, and he will surely curse you to your face. Satan was blown away as well by Job's response. All right, do with him as you please, the Lord said to Satan, but spare his life. You can't kill him. So Satan left the Lord's presence and he struck Job with terrible boils from head to foot. Job scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among the ashes, the ashes of mourning. His wife said to him, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. Which, by the way, it's funny to me. I have to ask the question, do you ever wonder? <laughs> did Job ever wonder? Did he ever ask God? Out of everything you left. <laughs> you leave her? <laughs> And now she's trying to get me to, I mean, I digress. But that's funny. You think God doesn't have a sense of humor. But Job replied to his wife. I mean, think about this. I made a joke there, and it is kind of funny. But think about the severity of what his wife said. Why don't you curse God instead of praise him? And Job responds, you talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all of this, Job said nothing wrong. Wow. Should we accept only good? We love accepting good, right? When the Lord blesses us, we think, well, of course he did. I'm pretty awesome. But should we not also accept the things bad that he allows in our life? We, we can't stop suffering from coming. It's part of the human condition. Because of sin, we suffer. But we can choose how we're going to respond. We know it's coming. We may not think we can respond this way. We may not want to respond this way. But this is how we should respond. We should choose to praise God. He might kill me, but I have no other hope. We should chase the right pursuits, that we're not living for this life on the earth. We're living for the next. And then the last thing we see here is this. We should concede our position. We should concede our position. Job understood his position before God. That he is God and I am not. So I'm surrendering, I'm conceding my position. Now, Job would wrestle with this through the rest of the book. It's not like he ever questioned this later on because he did. 
But in this moment, in this moment of suffering, and then in a beautiful conclusion to the book of Job, he concedes his position to God. You are God, I am not. But that wasn't the case for Job's wife. His wife basically responded how many of us respond in our suffering. What did I do? Or what did they do to deserve this? Like, doesn't God owe us something good if he's God? That's how we often respond. In one of the books I read in preparation for the series, the author said this, and it, it was one of those moments where I had to step back from the book for a, a second and let it sink in. He said, we always ask, how could a loving God allow such terrible things to happen to us? But why don't we ever ask, how could a holy God ever allow anything good to happen to us? Hello. Shall we, feels like what, that's what Job was asking. Shall we accept only good and nothing bad that the Lord allows into our life? Timothy Keller in his book said this, because of our sin and his holiness, the life we have, even with its adversities, is better than we deserve. If we ever asked God to be completely fair and just, and he complied, he, we would all be instantly destroyed. If we want fair, we all gone because that's what we deserve. I think Job understood that. At least in, in this moment in time, he conceded his position to God. And we actually see the ultimate act of this kind of concession, this kind of submission, we see it in Jesus. In the Gospel of Luke, a prayer from Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane is recorded. And, and this prayer was, was just before Jesus would be arrested, tortured, then killed on the cross for our sins. He asked his disciples, his closest friends, he said, would you come with me to pray? He said, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Then Luke 22, 41 and 42 says about Jesus that in the garden of Gethsemane, he walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of what? Suffering away from me. That he knew what was coming and he did not want to suffer. So Lord, would you remove that suffering? Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Three different times he prayed this prayer. And Luke, who was a doctor by trade, he tells us that Jesus was in such agony of spirit that the blood vessels under his skin burst out of stress and he sweat drops of blood to the ground. And why did Jesus submit himself like this unto death? so that even though we all die, we can live forever by faith in him. 
that Jesus, God in the flesh, came as one of us, modeled a perfect life for us. He died because of us, paying the price for our sins. But three days later, he rose victorious so that any one of us by faith in him can be forgiven of our sins. We are given a new life today, power to live our lives for him every day. And then one day, I know my redeemer lives and he will stand upon the earth at last. And after my body has decayed, yet in my body, I will see God. I will see him for myself. I will see him with my own eyes. I'm overwhelmed at the thought that by faith one day, we will see our Lord face to face. No more sorrow, no more suffering, no more tears. No more disease, no more death. Will you be standing with him when that day comes? Have you put your faith in Jesus? I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and, and just close your eyes. And I just want, first of all, all of us, believers, non-believers alike, I want you to ask this question, and I believe if you ask, the Lord will answer Lord, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? What are you speaking to me? For some of us, I think we're going to be hearing from the Lord that it's time to praise in our problems. For others, I think you're going to hear, hey, your, your pursuits are out of whack. And it's not about this life, it's about the next one. For some, you're going to hear, hey, you're not God. I am. Or any other number of intimate, unique things he's speaking. Maybe there's somebody here today who's never put their faith in Jesus. And I want to give you that chance right now. Just by saying a prayer. The prayer doesn't save you. Jesus does. This prayer expresses your faith in him. Just pray this silently in your heart. Father in heaven, I believe in Jesus. That he's God. He died in my place and rose from the dead. So Jesus, I believe in you. Please forgive me of all my sins. I repent and turn from the way I've chosen to live and by your help and power, I will now follow you in a new way. I receive from you salvation. Please live in my heart. Thank you for loving me. I'm gonna do my best to love you and follow you back. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead and look up. If you ask Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you'll ever make. It is the hardest one you will ever live out. It does not mean you'll have a problem-free life. In fact, sometimes following Jesus brings more problems than not. And we wanna help you live out your faith in Jesus. 
we want to know about it. I think you should tell somebody, and we'd love to know. The best way to receive some help uh, and to let us know is by texting the word ELIFE to 94000. Whether you're here in person or joining us uh, online somewhere, text uh, ELIFE to 94000. We'll shoot you back a link. From that link, you can download a free resource we created to help you. Uh, Also, you can sign up for baptism there, which is your next step after putting your faith in Jesus. If anybody needs prayer uh, of any kind, uh, you can stop by the purple tent in the back of the auditorium if you're here in person, um, and we'll pray for you there. We've got a prayer team. Or if you're watching online, uh, you can always text us, uh, email us, call us, and uh, we'll make sure and respond back to you and pray for whatever need you have going on in your life. I know this series is heavy, uh, but I, I trust and pray that it's hopeful as well. I know my Redeemer lives. Can we stand on that? Let's stand on that, even in our suffering. Father, thanks so much for being a great God. Thank you for your word and for the life of Job that gives us just a great model in how to respond. And Lord, we know one day suffering is coming for all of us. Lord, help us respond appropriately. Doesn't mean we ignore it. Doesn't mean we we can't be angry or wonder why, but Lord, we can still choose to praise and chase the right pursuits and concede our position to you. Lord, help us do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys. Have an awesome week. You're dismissed. If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast or follow us on social media. To learn more about our gathering times in Cheyenne, Wyoming, or to take your next step, visit our website, elementchurch.life. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you next week right here on the Element Church Podcast.